today we're going to continue the series on uh, Born Free from Sin, and we've been um, looking at different aspects to that subject up until now. What we've looked at is the makeup of man, because we need to understand uh, the makeup of man, we need to understand um, where sin actually does come from, and we also need to understand the nature of sin itself in order for us to grasp the truth that we as believers, as Christians, can in fact walk free from sin. Because uh, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear to us. He says, shall we continue, Romans chapter 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, certainly not. And then he goes on to teach us about the fact that in fact all believers have been set free from sin because we've died to sin. And so we need to, the book of Romans again tells us uh, in Romans chapter 14 that unless we are fully convinced in our own minds about certain truths in the Bible, we can never walk in them. And so it's very important for us, that is why we go through the background to um, what the nature of sin is and the nature of mankind and how mankind is designed to operate so that we can um, become fully convinced in our minds that it is in fact possible to walk free from sin. We will also, in today's uh, teaching, um, move into the various steps that we can take in order to walk free from sin. Before we get there, we just need to have a clearer understanding of what sin is. And so we saw in the, uh, just to recap, we saw in the previous teaching that we are in fact spirit beings. And um, when we are born again, it is the old spirit of the uh, born again believer that dies. And we saw that one who, who dies has in fact been freed from sin. That is what uh, scripture very plainly teaches us. And we spoke about the master-slave relationship. <clears throat> and then when the slave dies, the master no longer exercises dominion over that slave. And so that old man died. We saw that the new spirit that is born again um, is born of the incorruptible seed of the word of God and cannot sin. And uh, the scripture is very plain on that issue. And then we saw that because our spirits are born again and are free from sin and that they're a sinless environment, that is the reason why the Holy Spirit can in fact come and dwell within each uh, believer. Um, and we are once again, um, and then the Holy Spirit can once again take up residence in our spirits. He couldn't do that under the Old Covenant because the Old Covenant saints were not born again. So their, their spirits were a, not a sinless environment, whereas the born-again spirit is a sinless environment, and so the Holy Spirit can take up residence within our spirits. And then we saw that the Scripture does, in fact, differentiate between two parts of the born-again believer. Um, now, those same two parts also exist in the unbeliever, but nevertheless, uh, those two, the two parts we're speaking about are the flesh of man and the spirit of man. Um, and in the unbeliever, the flesh and the spirit are in complete unison. They're in agreement with each other. But when it comes to the born-again believer, things change. Because our spirits are born of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God and cannot sin, our spirits are completely at odds with our flesh, and the two are completely uh, against each other. And so we also looked at what is the makeup of the flesh, what is the flesh com uh, comprised of, and we saw that the flesh comprises of these physical bodies that we dwell in and also the carnal mind. Now, the carnal mind that the Bible refers to is, in fact, uh, the mindset that this world produces. So it is what the Bible also calls natural thinking. And so this world is programmed to think as this world thinks. And everybody who's born into this world um, is programmed to think like this world thinks and behave like this world behaves. And that the Bible calls carnal thinking. And the Bible says that carnal thinking is completely against God and cannot be subject to the law of God. And so all of us, when we come into the kingdom of God, um, we still have carnal mindsets because our thinking doesn't change once we're born again. It's only our spirits that are born again, which is why the Bible teaches us to renew our minds. And so we have to change our thinking from a carnal uh, way of thinking, a natural way of thinking, this worldly way of thinking, to thinking as God thinks, to think as the, in line with the Word of God. 
and that's a, a process that takes place in unison with our growth in our spirit because obviously when we're born again we're born again as babes in Christ and we need to grow spiritually and so as we renew our minds at the same time what happens is our spirits begin to grow and so that's a process that has to take place and so we saw also in scripture that it is sin resides within the flesh of the born-again believer sin does not reside with reside within the spirit of the born-again believer and so um, Christians can commit sin and the reason that they can commit sin is because their bodies are sinful in nature we saw that we inherit our bodies from Adam God has made from one blood uh, every nation under the Sun and so all of us have flowing through our bodies the blood of Adam and that blood was contaminated by sin the sin virus when Adam and Eve committed sin and so the bodies that our spirits are born into talking about the born again spirit now is born into is still sinful in nature it still has exactly the same DNA that it had before we were born again nothing changes and so the body has sin in the, in the bloodstream and that includes the organ of the brain we said and so that is what <coughs> where sin originates in the lives of believers and so that's why the Bible counsels the Christian to walk in the spirit and not to fulfill the lust of the flesh because obviously we saw that the spirit can only walk in righteousness and the flesh can only walk in sin as the carnal mind can only walk in sin and we saw that sin is in fact the mean disobedient to God and so the, the flesh and the carnal mind will always be disobedient to the laws of God not wanting to submit themselves to the laws of God in fact they cannot um, it's, it's an impossibility but it's the spirit of, of the born-again believer that can and is willing to submit themselves to the laws of God and that's why the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul counsels the church to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh so we're wanting to get to that place where as believers we are only walking in the spirit because as we do obviously within we will then walk in righteousness and we will no longer walk in sin so that's kind of brought us up to speed as to where we were in the previous uh, teaching what we want to do today is we want to look at the nature of sin itself because again as I said at the outset we need to have um, clear understanding of these truths in Scripture so that we can then become fully convinced in our minds that it is possible for us to walk free from sin because we're having to overcome a mindset again because there's a very strong mindset in the church which says it is impossible to walk free from sin and you get a lot of Christians that actually mock uh, believers who teach and, and who proclaim that it is possible to walk free from sin um, you know when you show them scripture that shows that uh, the Bible tells us to do exactly that they tend to ignore that because they you know in their minds it is impossible to walk free from sin now that mindset is a carnal mindset because that's the way the world thinks the world does not think it is possible to walk in righteousness they try to but um, as I said there's a strong belief in, in within the majority of the church believes very strongly that it is impossible to walk free from sin and so we're having to overcome all of the um, reasonings carnal reasonings that would try and persuade the believer that that is impossible to walk free from sin we're having to understand what the scripture actually does teach us about the subject so that we can become fully persuaded in our minds that in fact it is possible to walk free from sin and then we can thus exercise our faith in that and walk in it because we cannot exercise our faith in something that we do that we're not convinced about um, that's impossible that is impossible you have to be fully convinced in your own mind about a subject in the Bible before you can um, attach faith to it before you can start believing in it and you can only start acting on something once you believe in it um, to try and act on something that you don't believe in you know it's just not going to work um, think about salvation it is only when we heard the gospel and we understood it for the first time and we became fully convinced in our minds that this 
Salvation message is in fact a truthful message. When we did that, we could then attach our faith to it, believe it, and we were born again. And so that principle remains in place throughout our Christian walk. It never goes away because our Father has said to us that the just shall live by faith. And we can only um, exercise faith in that which we understand. If we do not understand it and we're not fully convinced in our minds that this is the way that we can walk, well, then we're not going to exercise our faith in that. And so it's very important for us to go through these truths as revealed to us in Scripture so that we can become fully convinced in our minds that this, in fact, is the truth of the Word of God and we can begin to walk in it. Then we can exercise faith in it um, and we will obviously see the results because it's by faith that we, in fact, do re uh, receive from God. And so in today's um, teaching, I'm going to concentrate on one aspect of sin. And the point that I'm going to raise today and we're going to um, go through Scripture and explore on is the fact that Scripture does teach us that there are, in fact, two different types of sin. In fact, there's three different types of sin that Christians can commit. Uh, and, but we're not going to be touching on the one sin, which is the sin to death. That's another topic entirely. But there are the, the other two areas of sin that I want to uh, touch on today is that uh, there are these two different categories of sin. And so it's important for us as believers to recognize what these two categories are and how God treats, treats each one of them, because God does um, treat each category differently. And uh, it's when we get our, our minds around this truth in Scripture that we can then again more clearly understand how it is possible for Christians to walk free from sin. Because, um, because Christians quite often do not understand these two different categories of sin, um, they are then able to say, well, it's actually impossible to walk free from sin. And you'll see that as we go through the scriptures today. Scripture that I want to just open up with today is in Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. Uh, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. And so, that's kind of bringing us up to speed where we are thus far, because we have identified that there is, uh, in the born-again believer, we have our, the spirit of man, and then we have the flesh. And we see very clearly here that the spirit and the flesh are contrary to each other. And we've seen that the sin resides in the flesh of the believer. And so a, a believer who walks in the flesh can only walk in sin. They have no, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They have no choice in the matter because they have chosen to walk in the flesh. And so what is walking in the flesh? Walking in the flesh is walking with carnal reasoning, uh, natural thinking. That is sinful because, again, the book of Romans teaches us that the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the laws of God, neither indeed can it be. And so all believers, and uh, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, I would think the majority of Christians, by and large, uh, are carnal in their thinking. And that is actually sinful, because the Bible is very clear on the issue that carnal thinking or natural thinking is against God. And so, again, you, you, if you go to Christians, you say, do you, you, you realize you can actually walk free from sin? Their carnal mindset, their natural thinking will say straight away, no, that's not, that's not the Bible. You cannot do that. That's impossible. Well, now that's a carnal thought process. And that's against the Word of God, that's against God, and that's actually walking in sin. And so, Christians that choose to walk in the flesh, and then obviously you have the other aspects of the flesh, gratifying the desires of the flesh, which is, you know, um, adultery, fornication, murders, lusts, envies, that, that whole list in, in Galatians, the works of the flesh, um, all of that is obviously sinful in nature. But the, the, the Holy Spirit... Um, 
admonishes the believer to walk in the Spirit. And because we've seen very clearly that the Spirit cannot commit sin, and the Spirit can only walk in righteousness. And that is why the Holy Spirit keeps uh, emphasizing to the believer, walk in the Spirit, and you will not then fulfill the lust of the flesh, obviously, because now the Spirit is going to be walking in a manner that is pleasing to God. Walking in the flesh is walking in a manner that is displeasing to God. And so that's the choice that is placed before the Christian. A choice was never placed before the Old Testament saints. Um, God did give them the law, and he said, observe the law. But even the law that they observed um, was nowhere near the righteous requirement of the law that we walk in under the new covenant. You recall when our Lord Jesus, um, the guys were asking him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And our Lord said, well, what, you know, what does the law say? And they said, well, you know, Moses said we can give our, our wives a certificate of divorce, and that was fine. And then our Lord's response to that was, and he says, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses gave you this precept. But from the beginning, it wasn't like that, because God made them male and female. And then our Lord went on to kind of just teach them that divorce was just not on. Um, and so the law that the Old Testament saints lived by was far below the righteous requirement of the law that the New Testament saints are called to walk in. For we're called to walk in love. The Old Testament saints were never taught to walk in love. Um, and so the, the benchmark is that much higher. Why is that? Because we have that much more available to us. Because again, as I've, I've said right through the series so far, the Old Testament saint could not be born again. And so their spirits were spiritually dead, had the nature of the devil. Now, it doesn't mean that the Moses of this world and Daniel um, were very wicked in their spirits. It, because just as we can grow strong spiritually under the new covenant, so it is possible for unbelievers, let's just stay in, in the new covenant now, unbelievers, to also grow strong in their spirits on the wicked side. And so that is quite possible for them to do. And so it was also possible for the Old Testament uh, uh, people also to grow more wicked in their spirits. But obviously the, the Daniels of this world and Moses and all of the Lord's prophets and those who walked righteous lifestyles before the Lord, their spirits never grew strong in wickedness. Uh, their spirits were kind of suppressed I suppose is one way you can put it they just never developed that side of their, their um, uh, makeup and they walked with a, a strong conscience and they walked having their minds um, focused on the word of God but I don't want to get into that in any kind of depth but the point is that under the new covenant we get given our choice we get told that we can either walk in the spirit or we can walk in the flesh if we choose to walk in the Spirit, we will walk in righteousness. If we choose to walk in the flesh, we will walk in sin. It's as simple as that. It's black and white, and uh, in the Bible, there is no gray area. And so now that brings us to the fact that I have mentioned that today I want to really discuss the truth that there are, in fact, two different categories of sin. And as I say, we need to understand the fact that there are these two categories of sin in order for us to more clearly understand how it is possible for Christians to walk free from sin. Because uh, you'll have a, a more clear understanding as we get into it. So the two scriptures that I want to look at um, to highlight this truth to us are almost contradictory in nature. And that's what we want to address. 1 John chapter 3 verse 9. And this is a scripture we've looked at already so far in this series. The scripture says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So that the Holy Spirit is very clear to us in that passage, that he who is born of God and who is born of God, everybody who is a believer in Christ Jesus, all born-again believers are born of God. And the scripture says, he, who, whoever has been born of God does not sin. And then he goes on to say, and he, he explains why, for he says, for, for is, is, is the, 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 the reason for the statement he's just made. For his seed remains in him, 
and we've, we saw in, in Peter's uh, epistle that we're born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And so the reason that one who is born of God does not sin is because his seed remains in him. And then he goes on and he says, and he cannot sin um, because he has been born of God. So that's a very strong statement right there that says Christians do not sin and they cannot sin. And the reason for that is, is because they have been born of God. And so in order for us to understand that statement, because if we were to just take that statement and we would apply it to our lives and we committed sin, then we would have to say, well, I must not be born of God because if I was, I wouldn't have just committed that sin. Because the scripture says to me, he who is born of God cannot sin and I've just committed sin. So I must not be born of God. And so that leaves the Christian in a little bit of a quandary when he looks at that statement in isolation. But we understand that that statement that the Apostle John is writing about um, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is in fact speaking about the spirit of the born-again believer. It is that part of the born-again believer that does not sin because his seed remains in him. And it is that part of the born-again believer that cannot sin, because it is that part of the born-again believer that is born of God. The flesh is not born of God. The, the carnal mind is not born of God. The will is not born of God. The conscience is not born of God. It is the spirit of the born-again believer that is born of God. And so that is what that particular passage of Scripture uh, is referring to. And so we can say, all right, so... Just because as a Christian I commit sin does not mean I'm not then born of God. It just means I have now stepped out of walking in the Spirit. I'm now walking in the flesh and thus committing that sin. But I nevertheless, I remain born of God. That has not changed at all. And so we understand how that particular passage of Scripture fits in. Now we look at another passage written by the same Apostle, same Holy Spirit, and this is the passage of Scripture that almost contradicts the first one. Let's look at it. 1 uh, John chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. The Scripture says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, referring to our Lord Jesus, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so here, this particular passage and the one we just read earlier seem to contradict each other, because here in verse 8 he says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And yet in the previous scripture we said, he said, He who has been born of God does not sin and cannot sin. So, you know, if, if I can't sin and I don't sin, well, then what am I going to say? I have no sin. Because how can I say I've got sin and yet I, at the same time saying, well, I can't sin. So, you, you know, it's like you're almost like a, a, a schizophrenic, basically, because you're saying, I can't sin. And then you, next breath you say, um, but I've got sin. So how do we reconcile the same Holy Spirit speaking about the same thing and yet contradicting himself, almost. Well, from, on the surface, it looks like the Holy Spirit has contradicted himself. Um, well, the way we can reconcile these two statements is only if we recognize um, the truth about the fact that there are two different categories of sin. But let's just uh, go through some arguments that have come around from this particular passage of Scripture, verse 8 specifically, because a lot of um, detractors from the, 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 the doctrine of the fact that we can actually walk free from sin um, and that we've died to sin and you know say it's actually that's an impossibility you can't do that and they bring this passage of scripture up in verse 8 and they say the, the Bible is very plain which says if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us so you cannot go around telling people I don't commit sin because if you did say that, well, then you're deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. And yet, um, again, in 1 John 1, 3, uh, 3, 9 says, He who is born of God does not sin and cannot sin. 
So there's the two statements that are completely contrary to each other. So the way that some people have tried to explain verse 8, which, it's, which says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, is they say, yes, that's true, because that is sin in the flesh. Um, and so because sin is in the flesh um, and not in the spirit, God doesn't hold me accountable for sin in the flesh because the real person is my spirit. And so as, as my spirit cannot sin, uh, God doesn't hold me accountable for sin that I commit in the flesh. And so that is how we can get around that statement. But that's not, that doesn't answer, that statement is in fact true, um, partially, because it is a case of when we commit sin, it is sin in the flesh, not in the spirit. Um, that we kind of have seen so far in this passage, in, in this teaching thus far. But to say that God does not hold me accountable for sin in the flesh because I'm a spirit being and he hold, only, only holds me accountable for that which I do in my spirit, uh, that's not true. God holds us accountable for sin. He does, God does not differentiate. When it comes to sin in the life of the believer, he doesn't look back and say, look down on us and say, okay, well, Micah has just committed sin in the flesh. So that's not really Mike. Mike is the born-again spirit, so I just ignore the sin in the flesh. It means nothing. Not at all. God holds Mike accountable for sin. Uh, God's the one who taught us the principle about the fact that sin originates from the flesh and not from the spirit. Um, so he clearly understands the, the difference. But nevertheless, he holds Mike accountable for the way Mike walks, which is why God says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So God places the choice upon me. I get to choose how I'm going to walk, whether I'm going to walk in the Spirit or walk in the flesh. Now, if I choose to walk in the flesh, I'm going to commit sin. And as a, an act of my free will, I've done that. And now God holds me accountable for that. So even though the sin has originated out of my flesh, definitely, but I made the choice to walk in the flesh, and so God holds me accountable for my sin in the flesh because I've committed that sin. And that's why he says, um, if we say in verse 7 here, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, cleanses us from all sin. Not cleanses my, my spirit or my flesh from all sin, but cleanses us from all sin. So God looks at the full, the, the whole person. Uh, although God understands the difference between the two because God has created us, He knows exactly how we function, He still holds us accountable as a whole person for sin. So the argument that God doesn't hold me accountable for sin in the flesh is not the right answer to that. And then you get the people that say, well, then you see that just clearly proves to you that to go around and say that it is possible to walk free from sin is, is heresy. People do call it heresy, by the way, um, because the scripture says very plainly, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so they use that scripture to say, well, that just proves it is impossible to walk free from sin. And yet the scripture does tell us in the book of Romans that we have been made free from sin and we're not to, know, we're not to walk in sin any longer. Um, so, you know, how can the Holy Spirit tell me to do something that is impossible for me to do? And if I were to look at verse 8 in 1 John 1, um, then I would have to say, Lord, you've actually asked me and told me, instructed me to do something that's actually impossible for me to do. But it is possible. The Holy Spirit is not unjust, and so God would not tell us to do something that we couldn't do. And the, so the way that we reconcile these two passages of Scripture is by understanding the truth that, in fact, there are two different categories of sin. And those two different categories of sin are, in fact, known sin and unknown sin. Those are the two categories uh, where we can break sin down into, and God deals with each category differently. And we need to understand that in order for us to be able to reconcile those two passages of Scripture that we've just been looking at that seem to contradict each other. Um, and so let's just have a look at what it is. How do we differentiate between known and unknown sin? Well, let's, in order to pick up on that truth, we need to go back to the Old Covenant. Because under the Old Covenant, what happened was, is that when the, the children of Israel committed known sin, sin that they knew about, 
uh, they were required during the year to go every time they were convicted of sin that they had committed in order to have their sins cleansed they were required to go to the temple and offer up the appropriate sacrifice and God would then cleanse or atone their sin um, that sin would be covered over by the blood of the animal but there was one sacrifice that was presented once a year on the day of atonement and on that particular day something else was taken care of it wasn't known sin that was taken care of it was all the unknown sin that was taken care of let's just have a look at a scripture that just highlights that truth for us hebrews chapter 9 verse 7 the scripture says but into the second part talking about the second part of the of the temple the high priest went alone once a year not without blood which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance and so what happened was all through the year the children of Israel were committing sins of ignorance and unintentional sins and but because they were ignorant about the sins that they had committed they couldn't offer up an atoning sacrifice to God for them they didn't know that committed them however God did know and so those sins were, were hadn't been addressed and so the way that the uh, God dealt with those sins under the old covenant is that once a year on the day of atonement the high priest would go into the holy of holies with the blood of the lamb and he would offer up that sacrifice for his own sins and for the sins of the nation that were committed during the year which were committed in ignorance and unintentional sins and so that is how God dealt with the unintentional and the unknown sins under the old covenant now under the new covenant things have changed with regards to the sacrifice but sin hasn't changed sin remains exactly the same and so under the new covenant we too commit sins knowingly and we commit unintentional sins we commit sins of ignorance all the time now sins of ignorance we can't do anything about because we don't know that we've committed them that's why they call sins of ignorance however one does know who has the sins we commit and that is God God knows every single transgression that we make and we do we we, we, we commit sins of ignorance and unintentional sins um, all the time that's why James says we all stumble in many things again that's another scripture that the people say you see James says we all stumble in many things and so to go around and saying that you can walk free from sin is not true you can't do that but yes again so we're trying to get our understanding because again as I said the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans tells us to walk free from sin he tells us to walk in the spirit so that we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh he tells us to make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts and so, you know, as I said, the Holy Spirit would not instruct us to do something that we could not do. And so this is the sin that is ever present in the life of the believer. And that is why the scripture in 1 John 1, uh, 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Because we don't know everything. You know, we, even, even the most mature believer, let's take the Apostle Paul, for it can be argued that the Apostle Paul had the most revelation that was given to any saint um, under the New Covenant. And he lived a righteous lifestyle. But even him, he was committing sin all the time. But he would make the statement, and he made the statement very clear in Scripture. He says, I know of nothing against myself. What he, what he was saying is, I don't know that I've committed any known sin he said he went on to say but i'm not by that justified for the lord is my judge and so the apostle paul recognized that even though he didn't know of anything that was against himself that wasn't his he because lord i don't know of any sin i've committed so therefore i must be completely sinless before you and paul said you know i, I know of nothing against myself but I'm not by that justified, for the Lord is my judge. So Paul recognized that even though he didn't know about any sin against himself that he was knowingly committing, that didn't justify him because God knew about sin that he didn't know about. Um, and so the Lord was his judge. 
And so that is what verse 8 is saying here. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Because all of us as believers have sin all the time. We are committing sins of ignorance because we just don't know any better. Because again, the scripture says we know in part. And so in this life, we are very limited. As I said, even the Apostle Paul, who was extremely spiritual and very mature and had a, a vast understanding of the Word of God, he didn't know everything. He's the one who said we only know in part. Um, and so it's only when we depart to be with Christ that the perfect comes and we have then full understanding. But in this life, we don't. And so we do commit sin against God and against others all the time in what we think, in what we say, in the way we behave. But we don't do that intentionally and we don't do that knowingly. We do that in ignorance and we do that unintentionally. And so that is why verse 8 says here, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves because that's impossible. And so, again, I said it right at the outset of this teaching, the Bible does not teach the Christian that they, can, they, never com they, will, not, they will never commit any sin. What the Bible does teach the Christian is that they can walk free from sin. You say, well, how do you differentiate between the two? Well, we're differentiating between the two because we've identified these two different types of sin. The unintentional sin and the sins that we commit in ignorance are being done all the time. Um, and it is only God who knows those sins because He's God, He knows everything. We don't. Our, our knowledge is very limited. Um, even our spiritual walk is very limited in this life. And so we can only walk in the light that we have. Um, because as, as we grow in th the things of God, so we get to know more stuff and we can get walk in deeper revelation. But we can only walk in the light that God has opened up to us, that has revealed to us. And so that is what that particular passage of Scripture is referring to. When he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Because no Christian can say they have no sin. But every Christian can say, I am born of God, and as one who is born of God, I do not sin, and I cannot sin. Because I'm born of God. Now that's scriptural, we can say that. But to say I have no sin is unscriptural because we have, I've just kind of shown you that we all do have sin. But the sin that we have is the unintentional sin and the sins that we commit in ignorance. God never holds us accountable for our unintentional sins and the sins we commit in ignorance. Just like He didn't hold the children of Israel accountable. Um, under the Old Covenant, because he would deal with those sins once a year, and then those sins were covered for the next year, and they could walk free from sin during the year. God only held them accountable for the sins that they knowingly committed. Now, those sins they had to get atonement for during the year. They didn't wait until the end of the year, and then God dealt with them. They were dealt with during the year, and God expected them to have those sins dealt with during the year. Now, we have the same situation, because the Bible says that... Uh, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we are required to take care of the known sins that we commit. That's why He says, if we confess our sins, we can only confess the sins we know about. We cannot confess unknown sin. It's impossible to do that. How, how do you confess an unknown sin? You don't know that you've even committed it. We, uh, we're required to confess our known sins, and then He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, talking about the known sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, talking about all the unknown sins as well. So, let's get back to this passage of Scripture, because in verse 7, He kind of highlights something for us, because under the Old Covenant, God dealt with the unknown sins. Now, I said, when we come into the New Covenant, the, the unknown sins, sin hasn't changed. When we come into the New Covenant, we still commit known sin and we commit unknown sin. But the sacrifice has changed. We don't offer our bulls and, 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 and lambs and the blood of lambs before God to get our forgiveness of our sins. The sacrifice we have is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, Jesus has paid the price for all of our sins. We've dealt with that in the previous teaching. That 
all sin, and I said all sin we've committed from the time that we were born again until the time, um, sorry, I said all sin that we committed from the time that we uh, died spiritually until we were born again, God washed those sins uh, by the blood of the Lamb. But Jesus paid for all of our sins, until every sin that I'm still going to commit, until the day I die and leave this planet to be with the Lord, I will still be committing sins between now and then. All of those sins Jesus has already taken care of. And so he has paid the price for our sins once and for all. But nevertheless, when I commit known sin, it is required of me to go to the Lord, confess those sins. And it is only when I do that that he is faithful and just to forgive me my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So unless I do that, he doesn't. So I've got to take that step in order to get those sins cleansed. But what about the unknown sin? Because we don't have under the new covenant a day of atonement. We don't have that once a year um, confession that the high priest makes on our behalf. Well, the way that God deals with the unknown, unknown sins and the unintentional sins under the new covenant is God has already dealt with them, uh, with those sins uh, through the blood of the Lamb, through Jesus Christ uh, when he offered himself up to God the Father on that particular um, when he went into, into the Holy of Holies. So let's just look at the scripture again. Because we're wanting to, I know it's getting, looking at sound a bit technical, but again, I, as I said, we need to have a full understanding of this in order for us to then be able to uh, apply our faith to walk in it. Because if we don't have a full understanding, we will always have, if there's any doubt, you cannot walk in faith and doubt at the same time. Doubt is opposite to faith. And so if you're going to walk in this, in, 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 in believing that you can walk free from sin, then you can't have any doubt in your mind, well, what about this sin? What about that sin? You need to be able to know how God has dealt with everything so that you can walk in the light of what God shows you in His Word. So that's why, as I say, it gets a bit technical, but we need to have an understanding of it. And so let's have a look at the scripture again, verse 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So what has happened here? In order for me to uh, experience um, the cleansing, because I've, I've got to get my unknown sin cleansed, my unintentional sin that I'm committing all the time, that has to be cleansed. Now, how is it cleansed? It, it's cleansed by the blood of the Lamb continuously. It just never stops. As I commit any unintentional sin, as I commit any sin of ignorance, the moment, the instant I commit that sin, it is washed in the blood of the Lamb. You say, where do you pick that up? Well, it's in this passage of Scripture. He says, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us, present tense, from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So as I commit the sin, so the blood of Christ is applied to that sin and I'm cleansed straight away. Now that has to happen. What you say, why does it have to happen? Because of the passage of scripture, we have fellowship with one another. I can only have fellowship with my Lord if I am walking in a sinless state. Because the scripture is also very plain. In him is no sin. And so if I'm to enjoy fellowship with my Lord Jesus Christ and God my Father and the Holy Spirit and my brothers and sisters in Christ, I have to be walking in a state of being sinless. Because I cannot walk in sin and have enjoy fellowship with the Lord at the same time. For he is light and sin is darkness. And if I walk in sin, I'm walking in darkness. I'm outside of light. Light and darkness do not have fellowship with each other. The book of Corinthians teaches us that. And so in order for me to enjoy fellowship with the Lord, the first part of that verse says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, I have to walk in the light as he is in the light if I'm going to have fellowship with my Lord. In order for me to walk in the light as he is in the light, I cannot have sin um, in my life. For the moment I have sin in my life, I have now stepped out of light into darkness. And that also is born in, in, in uh, John's epistles, that when we walk in sin, we step into darkness. And so I cannot enjoy that fellowship with the Lord. And so what God does under the new covenant 
is that the moment, so he doesn't wait a whole year, but the very instant I commit any un unintentional sin or any sin of ignorance that I don't even know I've committed, the blood of Christ is applied to that sin straight away. And that's what the scripture says. His son, the, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, present tense, from all sin. And then he goes on to say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And so that's what he's talking about in that passage of scripture. He's talking about the unintentional sin that we commit and the sins of ignorance that we commit. And so that is why he says, if we say we have no sin, we're actually deceiving ourselves. And that is true because we do have sin all the time. But the blood of Christ is being applied to those sins instantly, all the time. So I can consistently walk in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that sin that I've just committed by saying something to my brother that I didn't know was being sinful or behaving in a way that I didn't know was being sinful, nevertheless God knew. And so that sin had to now be atoned for, the blood of Christ was applied. And thus I continually walk in the light as he is in the light. That's how God deals with the unintentional sin and the sins of ignorance that are committed under the new covenant. It has to be done straight away. Otherwise, fellowship is broken between me and my Lord. And so in order for me to remain in fellowship with the Lord, God deals with all of the sins of ignorance I commit and the unintentional sins that I commit all the time. However, there is a condition that has to be met in order for me to enjoy that. Um, because let's go back to that passage of Scripture, verse 7 again. It says here, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then um, we have fellowship with one another, including our Lord, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So the condition is, because there's that word, if, if is a very little word in the Bible, but it has a great meaning. And whenever you see the word if, you always need to know that that is a condition. And you have to meet the condition in order to get the promise, in order to have the, the blessing of God apply in your life. And in this case, there's no difference because it says here, but if. So that's the condition. What's the condition, uh, John? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So that blood that's cleansing me present tense from all sin is my sins of ignorance and my unintentional sin. If I'm to enjoy that, I have to meet the condition. And the condition is I have to be walking in the light as he is in the light. If I'm not walking in the light as he is in the light, well then that condition no, no longer applies to me. I cannot now uh, claim that his blood is cleansing me, present tense, from all unintentional sins I commit and sins and I commit ignorance. So you say, well, how do we get to walk in the light as he is in the light then? Well, we have to apply 1 John 1, 9. We have to make sure that we have no known sin. We have to be able to say, like Paul, I know of nothing against myself. So we, we check up on our spirits and, Lord, have I, is there any sin that I've committed against you throughout the day? Mm, there's nothing that comes to mind, Lord. And so I know of nothing against myself. And therefore, I can, at that moment, know that I'm walking in the light as he is in the light. But if there is known sin that I've committed, well, then I'm not now walking in the light as he is in the light because now I've stepped into darkness. I have intentionally stepped out of light into darkness by committing known sin. In order for me to get that corrected, I have to apply 1 John 1, 9. I, and the scripture says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful uh, and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that is uh, a requirement that I have to meet for known sin that I commit. So when I commit any in intentional sin, then I've stepped out of light into darkness. And in order for me to get back into the light, I have to apply 1 John 1, 9. Once I do that, He's faithful, He's just, He cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I'm once again in the, in the light, uh, as He's in the light, and His blood is once again being applied to all my unintentional sin and unknown sin that I'm committing. And so that is the requirement that we have to meet. 
And so it is very possible for Christians to walk free from sin. How is that possible? Because we are required to walk free from known sin. God takes care of our unknown sin. That's not something we're required to take care of. God does it automatically himself. But in order for God to be able to do that, I have to take care of any known sin that I've committed. And so once you understand the concept between the two different categories of sin, you can see that it is very, uh, not easy, but it, it, is, it is quite possible for Christians to walk free from sin. Because we don't walk, we, we, we're not held accountable for sorting out the unknown sin. God deals with that in himself. He forgives us of those sins. And once God's forgiven us those sins and the blood's been applied, there's no one else that can hold us accountable for them. They're gone. But God holds us accountable for unknown sin. So if we intentionally commit sin, well, that, that's our um, issue that we need to deal with. And once we do, by confessing and asking Him forgiveness, He then cleanses us, we're back in the light, and He's taking care of all of the unknown sin. And that is how it is possible for Christians to walk. And I'm speaking about the technicality side of it. We need to understand what happens and how sin is actually, um, how it's made up and how it actually operates so that we can see how it is possible for Christians to walk free from sin. Um, because as I say, you do get a lot of Christians that just mock you and they say, well, that's impossible. Scripture says you can't do it. James says we always stumble in everything. And so, you know, you're just teaching heresy. But that's not true. Um, you just, obviously they're ignorant on, on these issues. And once they learn, that's why I say we need to have Full understanding. The Bible teaches us unless we are fully convinced in our own minds about certain issues, we can't walk in them by faith. It's only those things that we, okay, I understand this truth now, Lord, and so now I can apply my faith in it, I can walk in it. it we have to understand with our, um, our spiritual understanding in order to walk in it. Now, when we come into the kingdom of God, so we, you, I trust you understand that there are these two different categories of sin that Christians can commit known sin and unknown sin. When we come into the kingdom of God, the category of unknown sin is very high. Uh, but, and the category of known sin is very low. Why is that? Because we are ignorant. Uh, you know, a lot of Christians, when they've been born again, they've never read their Bible before. They don't even know that there's such a thing as a new and an old testament. So, you know, there's just complete ignorance. And so they will do a lot of things that are sinful in nature but they just don't know any better because they're, they're baby Christians and they still are learning this thing. And so all Christians, when they come into the, the kingdom of God, God deals with... Their, God's not unjust. And so um, God does not hold us accountable for, to meet the righteous requirements of the law straight away as we come into the kingdom of God. There's a growth process that has to take place. There's a renewing of the mind that has to take place. And God is, um, that's His grace. He then gives us time to grow in the things of God. And so when we come into the kingdom of God, known sin that we commit is, is you know, we know so little, there's very little known sin we actually do commit. But we, because we know so little, there's a lot of unknown sin that we're committing all the time. But God is dealing, dealing with all the unknown sin. And so that's why it is quite possible for, for baby believers to actually, when, when you look at a baby believer and listen to the way they behave and talk, and yet God blesses them. And you think to yourself, wow, how is that possible? I mean, look, uh, the guy's doing this and he's, 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 he's you know, the profanity and all of that. And yet, you know, when he comes into the church meeting, God just blesses the guy and, you know, he gets his prayers answered. How is that possible? I mean, does God not see what he's doing? And the truth is, is that actually God doesn't see it because God just pushes it under the blood of the Lamb because that's unknown sin. He doesn't know any better and God treats him at that level. But now you get the mature believer, the one who's been in Christ for a number of years, uh, who tries to get away with the same stuff. Now they don't get away with it. God now starts to hold them accountable for their sin because they should know better by now. And there is a growth process that takes place in the kingdom of God. And so you get, that's where a lot of problems do occur in, in, in the Christian walk because you get a lot of 
baby believers who should be mature believers being treated like mature believers but still wanting to be treated like baby believers. And so God doesn't do that. And because He doesn't do that, their lives are oh, sometimes in, in quite a mess. Let's have a look at a couple of scriptures just to, to help us understand this concept because this is another concept that also doesn't really get taught in the church that often. And that is that we actually do have to grow up. Um, there is such a thing as spiritual growth. There is such a thing as renewing our minds. And God expects us to become more mature. He doesn't expect us to remain, remain babes in Christ. Because as I say, God does deal with the mature believer differently to the way he deals with the baby believer. The baby believer has a lot more grace in this area than the mature believer. Because once you, we become mature in Christ, God says, no, 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 you should know better by now. And so that, that lifestyle that you were practicing as a baby believer, I no longer tolerate. And now I hold you accountable. Anyway, let me just read a couple of scriptures and then I'll just elaborate on it. Ephesians uh, chapter 5 verses 8 to 10. The scripture says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And then another scripture I want to look at is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. And so what God does is that as we grow in the things of, of God, as we become more mature, we find out what is acceptable to the Lord. And so, you know, when we first came into the kingdom of God, there was a lot of stuff we just didn't know. And so we just thought that this was acceptable to the Lord. But as we grow in the things of God, we find out, okay, this is not acceptable before the Lord. And so I need to change my lifestyle here. I need to stop doing that and start walking in this. Um, and what happens is what God does is as we grow in the things of God, He writes His laws upon our hearts and upon our minds. He puts His laws into our hearts and our minds. Under the New Covenant, it's, it's different. We don't get, um, although we have the Bible, we read it, that is the written Word of God, which is in fact also the living Word of God. But we don't live by a written code. We live by what is written in our hearts. So we don't read it in the Word of God and say, all right, I need to start doing that. What God does is He, once we have understanding of His Word on a subject, He writes that law in our heart and into our mind. And so now we know it. It, is, it becomes a part of us. And because it's part of us, it's who we can now, who we become. And we can then walk in that. And so what happens is, as Christians grow in the things of God, as they should grow, because not a lot of, not a lot of Christians do actually grow, but as Christians should grow in the Lord, so they get to know more what is more they get to know more of what is acceptable to God than what they knew before. And then God holds them accountable to walk in that. And so as we grow in the things of God, so we are our known sin begins to grow, and our unknown sin begins to diminish. Because again, I, tr I trust you understand the concept. A baby in the natural is held accountable for nothing. A mature adult is held accountable for everything. Now, during the growth process from babyhood to mature adult, there is a growth process. And during that process in the natural, um, as the, the baby becomes a child, so they become held accountable for more things. As they become a, a teenager, they're held accountable for more things. As they become a young, young adult, they become held accountable for more things. And to a mature adult, they're now held accountable for everything. And so from no accountability to full accountability, that's in the natural. In the spirit, it's no different. When we come into the kingdom of God, God holds us accountable for almost nothing with regards to um, known sin. But as we grow in the things of God, so God holds us more accountable to walk in more and more righteousness, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and then begin to walk in that. And so the, in, the, in the spirit now, a baby Christian, the unknown sin is very high, the known sin is very low. But the mature believer, the known sin is very high, the unknown sin is very low. Because that's just the nature of 
spiritual growth. It's exactly the same as, as a natural growth. And that's how God treats us and deals with us. But you find the problem is arise when the, the Christian that God is treating like a mature believer still wants to behave like a baby believer. And God won't do that. And so that person is now being held accountable for sin that they used to be able to always get away with. But now they don't anymore. Now there's a consequence. And we're not going to go into the consequences of sin in today's teaching. But I wanted to get across the, the truth today of the fact that there are these two different categories of sin. Known sin and unknown sin. And that is why the scripture says that if anybody says he has no sin, he's, he's deceiving himself. Because we all do have sin. But that's not the sin that God expects us to deal with. God expects us to deal with the known sin. And so if we deal with the known sin, then we can confidently say that I know of nothing against myself, as the Apostle Paul said. And we can then walk in righteousness. Now, we don't go around to everybody and say, I'm sinless. I don't have any sin. What we say is we walk, we walk in free from sin because that's how God expects us to walk because we have died to sin. And so shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. We can walk free from sin. And that's a truth we need to have a very clear understanding of. So in the next series of teachings, we now want to look at the steps that we need to take in order to apply this in our lives so that we can walk free from sin because there are certain steps we need to be doing. But we needed to just have a, a clearer understanding of the concept of the makeup of man, which part of man commits the sin, which part of man doesn't commit the sin. I'm talking about the born-again believer and also these two different categories of sin and how God deals with them and how that impacts on the life of the believer. But we're going to end the teaching on that point today. Amen.